Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. I'm hoping that you found the book of Jude. Um, we're going to read from God's Word. It's not a long book. It's 25 verses, which means that we can read through the whole book in order to understand the context of the sermon as we preach just the last two verses. In the honor of the reading of God's Word, could I ask you to please stand? as many as are able. The book begins as Jude identifies himself, his readers, and he prays for them. Hear God's word from Jude, verse 1. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. The next two verses, are, Jude states the reason why he's writing this book. He wants you to earnestly contend for the faith. Verse 3, beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. From verse 5 until verse 16, Jude is going to profile the false teachers who we are to earnestly contend against. Verse 5, now I want to remind you although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels, who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he is kept in eternal chains until gloomy darkness, until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses... He did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them! For they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. They are hidden reefs at your love feasts as they feast with you without fear. Shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. 
It was also about these, that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loud-mouthed boasters showing favoritism to gain advantage. Now, from verse 17 to verse 23, Jude is going to apply what earnest contending looks like with five commands. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Here's Jude's glorious ending to this letter. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Father God in heaven, even as we now come to the teaching of your word, I pray that your word would open to us and we might see Jesus Christ in it glorify him. We acknowledge, Lord God, that your word is faithful and true and without error and sufficient for all matters of life and godliness. Build us up in the most holy faith this morning. And for those who have not yet accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior, this morning, Lord God, grant faith that they might believe. We want to praise you and worship you now and forevermore. These things I pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So over the last couple of months, often when I preach, I will give you a word, which is your word of the day. It's the word that you're supposed to take home and talk about over lunch. Um, It's a word which is often theological in nature, a word which you can use to grow in your understanding. Uh, Today, the words aren't theological. They're actually Christianese. (laughs) It's, It's words that Christians use. And and use sometimes without really understanding them. Two words, in fact. I want you to, to take home in your satchel, in your backpack, the word benediction and the word doxology. The word benediction and the word doxology. And I want to explain to you what a benediction actually is. I want to explain to you what a doxology actually is. A benediction is a declaration of blessings from God upon his loved ones. Benedictions are found at the close of some of the New Testament epistles. I want to read to you a popular benediction. It's taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of 
God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's a benediction. Here's another one from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 23 and 24. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Benedictions offer words of assurance designed to bring you joy and peace and comfort and security. A doxology, now this is that second word, a doxology is slightly different. Doxology is an expression of praise to God. Normally it's a short sung hymn. The word doxology comes from uh, two Greek words, doxa and logos. Doxa means glory, logos means words, and you, when you put them together, it's glory words. Uh, a doxology is a glory word, a short hymn of praise to God. He has a popular doxology. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forever. Amen. And another one. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, He heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. I've always thought that Jude 24 and 25 was a benediction. We sing the benediction, right, at the end. Good Baptists, anyway, sing the benediction at the end of uh, the service. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. But as I've studied it, I've realized that this isn't in actual fact a benediction. It's a doxology. And the difference is this. The words here aren't primarily a declaration of blessing to you. Rather, and you need to recognize this, this is a declaration of praise to God. Jude 24 and 25 encourages us and it glorifies God. And that's what I'm hoping you will take away from the sermon this morning. As we study Jude 24 and 25, I'm hoping that you will be encouraged in your faith because you will see that God is our Savior. And then, and this is very important, in response, as you are thrilled by that fact, as your heart celebrates with joy that God is your Savior, you will glorify God in songs of praise and in the lifestyle of sacrifice. Today, and tomorrow, and in the week to come, and for the rest of your life, and then forever and ever. In the text this morning, I want you to see three reasons to be encouraged and glorify God. And so that you get them right up front, I'm not hiding anything uh, from you, the first reason is this, He presently saves. The second reason is this. He will ultimately save. 
And the third reason to be encouraged and to glorify God is that he has sacrificially saved. Amen? Are you ready to study the text? Look down in your Bibles at the first verse, at Jude 24. And we're just going to read the first half of Jude 24. Pay attention again to the reading of God's Word. I'll read it twice so that we have it settled in our minds. Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. The first point. God presently saves. The now here in verse 24 is a conjunction. It's a, it's a joining word. Now joins the last two verses of the letter with the previous 23 verses of the letter. In verse 1, Jude wrote to the called, to the beloved in God the Father, and to those who were kept or who are kept for Jesus Christ. We read in verse 3, and you might remember, that Jude wrote to call the called to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. Now, Jude writes to encourage those who are battling in the trenches, those who are fighting in the front lines. He wants them to know that your salvation is preserved, not possibly secure, presently secure, preserved by God himself. And what a wonderful assurance that is. Now to him, Jude says, who is able to keep you from stumbling. Friends, it is God who preserves your salvation. And what a relief that is, <laughs> if you're anything like me. Because if it was not for his continual keeping, we'd be continually stumbling. Stumbling here pictures uh, falling. Falling into error and falling into sin. To fall away from the faith. To arrive at the judgment ruined. There is no road so dangerous as that which goes toward the celestial city. It is beset on difficulties on every side. One false step and you tumble down. What a slippery slope we must tread and how weak we are to tread it. In the words of Spurgeon, the brightest saints on earth would fall into the lowest hell if God did not keep them from falling. But be encouraged. Be encouraged. Because the Bible says that God is able. Amen? Let me tell you some of the things that the Bible says that God is able to do. Daniel chapter 3 verse 17, God is able to deliver. Daniel chapter 3 verse 29, God is able to rescue. Matthew chapter 3 verse 9, God is able to raise up children for Abraham from stones. Romans chapter 4 verse 21, God is able to do all that he has promised. Romans chapter 16, verse 25. God is able to strengthen you according to his gospel. 2 Corinthians 
Chapter 9, verse 8, God is able to make every grace overflow to you. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, God is able to do above and beyond all we ask or think. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, God is able to God which has been entrusted to me until that day. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18, God is able to help those who are tempted. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, God is able to save completely those who come to him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19, God is able to even raise someone from the dead. James chapter 4, verse 12, God is able to save. Jude 24, God is able to keep you from stumbling. Note that the word uh, keep in the English Standard Version, if that's what you're reading from, or in any other version that you're reading from, that uses the word and translates the word keep, is better translated as protect. It's a different word to the word keep in verse 1 and verse 6 and verse 21. God is able to protect you. God protects us by His great power. God guards us. God watches over us. God preserves us to our journey's end. Yes, you are to remember the predictions of the apostles in verse 17. Yes, you are to keep yourself in the love of God, verse 21. Yes, you are to have mercy on doubters, verse 22. Save drifters, verse 23. And show mercy on deserters, verse 23. Yes, you are responsible to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But in the end, be encouraged by this wonderful, glorious truth. It is God Almighty who watches over your soul. God presently saves. Three reasons in this text. To be encouraged to glorify God. And the first reason is this. He presently saves. The second reason is this. He will ultimately save. He will ultimately save saved. Read the second half of verse 24 together with me. It says, and, conjunction, two ideas coming together. God is not only able to uh, keep you from stumbling, but God is able and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Let me read it again so we have it firmly fixed in our minds. And to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. When we talk of God's glory, we talk of his reputation, his excellence, his majesty. But to stand in the presence of his glory is to enter into his visible brightness, his radiant presence, his awful presence. I say awful because God hates sin. God reveals himself as being holy, 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 meaning that he is absolutely separate from creation generally and from sin and sinners specifically. You are not a God who delights in wickedness, the psalmist says. Evil 
cannot dwell with you. The boastful cannot stand in your sight. You hate all evildoers. Isaiah the prophet says, your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you. And so no one has ever seen God. For humans cannot see him and live. It would be an awful thing for a sinner to stand in the presence of the absolute holiness of God. Before his righteous judgment. Before his terrible wrath. Yet, our hope is plainly stated in this verse. It is God who will ultimately save us. It is God who will make us stand. It is God who will set us in place. It is God who will establish us because he is able to present you blameless before the presence of his glory. He will do this. Amen and hallelujah. In glorified bodies, resurrected without any trace of sin, he will present us faultless, blameless, blemishless, sinless. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. And again, he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, blameless before him. Friends, because God is holy, there can be none in heaven but those who are faultless. So if you and I are ever to get there, we must be as pure as snow. No taint of sin. And so at salvation, he declared you righteous. And through the course of this life, he is transforming you progressively towards righteousness. But there is coming a day Oh, happy day, not long from now, when you will be made righteous, perfectly saved, fit to stand in the presence of Jehovah Tiskenu, the Lord, our righteousness. We're talking about joy, endless joy, boundless joy, matchless joy, every tear of this world set aside, every depression, every pain, every heartache, all evaporated, joy will swallow up all distress. An eternity of rejoicing awaits. Joy upon joy upon joy upon joy because God not only saves us in the year and now, he will ultimately save us in the by and by. Friends, in this text, there are three reasons to be encouraged and glorify God. The first was, he presently saves. The second is, he will ultimately save. The third point I want to highlight to you is that he has sacrificially saved. He has sacrificially saved. Read verse 25, well, the first part of verse 25, together with me in your own Bibles. To the only God, our Savior, 
through Jesus Christ, our Lord. One more time so we have it set in our minds. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There is only one true God, full of grace, full of glory, full of truth. He is sovereign. He is self-existent. He is creator. He is spirit. He is personal. He possesses all knowledge. He is all-powerful. He is altogether present in all places. He does not change. He is just. He is loving. He is truthful. He is holy. He is compassionate. He is merciful. And he is gracious. He is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And our God saves. Amen? Our God saves. God is our Savior. It is said of God in His Word that He loved the world. That He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. That he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purposes of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. It is said that he gave us his only son. That he sent his son to be the savior of the world. That he made him to be sin who knew no sin that he put him forward as a propitiation by his blood, that he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, that he shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, that it was his will to crush him, that he raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. That he crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in submission beneath his feet. And that he has exalted him. That his right hand is leader and savior to give repentance and forgiveness of sins. Our God saves. Our God is a saving God. And his salvation is accomplished by his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. In the text, it says, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus acts in subordination to his Father as he is sent, as he comes to do his will. As he empties himself by taking on the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. As he humbles himself, becoming obedient even to the point of death, even a death on the cross. As he becomes a curse for us. As to be the sin for our sake. As pierced for our transgressions as crushed for our iniquities, as giving himself up for us, a fragrant offering 
and sacrifice to God as crucified in weakness, but living in power. As sitting down at the right hand of God, waiting until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. As highly exalted, bestowed with the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Salvation has been accomplished sacrificially through the life, through the death of Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior and according to the sovereign will of God. Friends, there are three examples and three reasons to be encouraged in this text. God presently saves. God will ultimately save. And God has sacrificially saved through the person of Jesus Christ, his son. What now? And the answer is this. Glorify his worthy name. Glorify him. We're to respond. We're to respond to the salvation. And it's in the second half of verse 25. Read with me in your own Bibles. Be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Again, so we have it set in our minds, be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. The salvation is past, it's present, it's to come. Respond in praise. Respond in worship. This is the jewel in the divine crown that God would for no reason outside of his own sovereign will save a sinner and a wretch like me. This is what angels marvel at. This is why a great multitude from every nation and all tribes and all peoples and languages stand before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. This is how Jude would have us respond. Not in some melancholy mumble as we sing songs and hardly partake and participate in their meaning. No, he would give us abandon to praise and to worship God who has saved our souls from hell. Friends, we are not giving and ascribing glory and majesty and power and authority to a person who is undeserving or to a person who lacks anything? We're not giving God something he doesn't already have. God is all glorious. He is absolutely majestic. He has all the dominion and possesses all the authority. This isn't us giving him something. This is us acknowledging something about him that he is. We ascribe to him that which is due his name, 
glory is God's weightiness. He is like the radiance of light. Majesty is God's kingly status. Dominion is God's rule and exercise of a power and control in this world. Authority is God's intrinsic right of command. These peals of praise do not start with you in the here and now. That's what's amazing about this text. They don't even span back to the first creatures created of higher order, the angels, at the beginning of creation. God's praise begins before all time, to which I can only surmise that God began ascribing glory to God for the salvation of man when he conceptualized the salvation of man before time even began. God has been singing God's praises even before the foundation of the world. And now, we who are the present recipients of God's salvation sing God's praises out of an overflow of gratitude in our hearts. And forever, heaven's glories await. I can't even wrap my head around the thought of standing before Jesus face to face and praising him for all eternity, casting crowns before him out of gratitude in my heart. That's joy. But that's what my Savior says lies before me. And so I have no reason to doubt him. I get to praise Jesus Christ forever and ever and ever. Will you stand alongside me? Friend, this morning, do you hear of a God who is able, able to save you, able to raise you up? Do you hear of God's provision for your salvation made possible in the person of Jesus Christ? Do you hear of his substitutionary death in your place? Or of his glorious resurrection from the dead? Do you hear the salvation offer that is given to you this very moment? Do not allow salvation to pass you by. Worship God. Begin at once. Be made fit for the eternal praises which are to come. The gates of heaven are standing wide open and you may for this moment enter in. Do not delay. Come to Christ. Come to him at once. He stands at the ready to receive you with wide open arms because our God saves. All praise and glory and honor are due his name. Won't you worship him together with me? Amen. Let's close our eyes and pray to almighty God. Father God, you save. According to your sovereign power, you save. Open men's eyes that they might see Jesus Christ and turn to him and believe. For those of us, Lord God, who are saved, help us to praise you unhindered. Help us to worship you. 
Help us to ascribe glory to your name in this place and tomorrow and in the week to come and for the rest of our lives and into eternity which awaits. The glory, the majesty, the dominion and the authority are yours. Hear the praises of your saints, we pray. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.